Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. I don't want business owners to live on leftovers because business ownership is a lot of work. It is so much work and you deserve more than than leftovers. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. So today I have a returning guest, but she's returning with a book under her belt. Julie Harris has written the book Profit First for Therapists, and she's here to talk to us about it today. She is an expert in Profit First. As an accountant, she uses it with her clients who are, I think, exclusively, if not mostly, therapists. She's the founder of Green Oak Accounting, which is the country's largest firm serving the mental health industry. Uh, She's an accountant. She's a consultant. uh, She's a speaker and now an author of Profit First for Therapists. And she's also the host of the Therapy for Your Money podcast. So today, Julie and I got into Profit First. So if you've heard about Profit First, but have been like, what is that? Or if you're already doing Profit First, Either way, there's lots here for you. Julie and I get into taxes and Profit First and how that can be confusing. Uh, She goes over the basic principles of Profit First, which like really do connect to human behavior and what tends to drive us and make us tick and how we tend to respond to certain situations. She really explains why Profit First works with people as they are. And we get into what to do if your numbers are not where you want them to be where can you start to actually start to get your numbers in your business, the amount that's going towards your paycheck and operating expenses and that you're putting aside for taxes? How do you get from where you are now, which is maybe a place that is not working, to the numbers that are actually going to work for your business? Here's my conversation with Julie Harris. So Julie, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So since we uh, spoke last, you have been a little bit busy. Yeah. 
lot of lot of fun things in the work. A lot of fun things. Yeah. And one of those things is that you've written the book, I would say. The Profit First book for therapists, so Profit First for therapists is coming out in May. May. Do I have that right? Yeah, May, May 2nd. 2nd. It will be out. It is available for pre-sale today, but it, it, it will be out in the world. What I call affectionately my fourth child Profit First for for Therapists, the book. Yes. A very, very <laughs> cute name for that fourth child, I have to say. Oh, exactly. Very sweet. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this book because you and I are both Profit First yes. fans. We both like use it and teach it and teach therapists how to use it. And now you've actually put your knowledge and expertise like into a book that folks will just be able to buy and read and absorb it all, even if they never you know, work with either of us, Yeah, which is a beautiful gift to the world. I'm so excited to get this out into the world. This book was for sure a labor of love, but I I kept going back before I started writing to why me, right? Like why should, mm. who am I to write this book? Like why would I? And then the answer was like, it has to be me. That was mm-hmm. my answer to, to myself. Like I have so much knowledge from yes. implementing over and over again like I I want to get this information out into the world because it's so transformational for so many practices. Like it gave oh me gosh, life changing yes. completely. So yes, yes. I love that because you as an accountant, you really like get the rules and the system, but you specialize in working with therapists. So you also really see how this applies to like our business model and who therapists tend to be as people. Yeah, definitely. And and obviously I'm an accountant based in the US, but I I also knew you know, this book is so important. I need to put all the basics of profit first. I need to to put like the very therapy specific items in there. But I also knew that most practice owners needed other stuff too. Yeah. So I talk about scaling. I talk about hiring admin, team member, clinical team members, leadership. I talk about the emotional side of profit first and kind of that journey that people go through. But I also included some tax basics because these are the things that I, I feel like people need. Yeah. So whether they're ready for them right now or or later, like you kind of have everything you need for the financial side of your practice within that one book. So exciting. Okay. So we should probably take two steps back because yeah. we're nerding out about something we're excited <laughs> about. But what is profit first for folks who are listening who are not familiar with it? Yes. So Profit First, uh, the original book was written in 2016-17 by Mike Michalowicz. The the premise of Profit First, the, the whole system, right? It's ultimately a financial system for cash flow management. What Profit First does is it turns the accounting equation upside down. So if anyone has ever looked at a profit and loss or an income statement, which hopefully... Listener, if you own a business, you have, you have hopefully looked. (laughs) The accounting equation on the profit and loss is income minus expenses equals profit, right? That Mm -hmm. is the basic accounting equation. What profit first does is it turns that equation upside down, where we look at income minus profit equals your expenses. Mm. And so that one shift, right? Carving out the profit first, as the name implies, means that then instead of taking the profit at the end as the leftover, like whatever's left, that's going to be the profit. You're being intentional about allocating funds to profit. And then whatever's left, that's what you have to run your business. Mm -hmm. And so for most practice owners, if you can run your business on, you know, a thousand dollars, you probably can run your business on $950, right? Mm -hmm. If we carve it out at the front, but if you just wait for that to be left, that's not always the case. 
Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that the flipping of the equation, you know, and, and this is Mike McCulloch's kind of, this is the idea he introduced into accounting because I have, I've noticed as a business owner and, and maybe you've even experienced this too, Julie, like it is so easy to spend money in your business. So easy. There's just something about our business. It's like something about, well, you're spending to make money. Like I will think about buying things in my business that I would really pause or never buy out of my personal household. Yeah. There is something just very easy about spending money in a business, which means if we don't have boundaries around it, we can end up spending so much that we end up taking very little home. Like the profit, yeah. we end up getting like the the crumbs. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And and like that, and that's why I like the term leftovers, right? It's kind of because it's not intent enough leftover is not intentional. It just happens to be there at right. the end, right? It's kind of an accident. Like, oh, yes. we made too much soup today. Now we have leftovers. Like it's not that that's not, I don't want business owners to live on leftovers because mm. business ownership is a lot of work. It is a it is yeah. so much work and you deserve more than than leftovers. I, I like to tell the story of my my mother was a, a serial entrepreneur, loved, loved just the starting of a business. <laughs> and so what what I know now as an adult is when she would say, like, oh, you know, Julie, you've got to spend money to make money, she was about to buy something she could not afford. Like that typically <laughs> was kind of the the cue in in our household. So okay. I whenever I find myself like, oh, saying that, right? You got to spend money to make money, I, I I kind of go back and think to myself, am I just saying that to justify this expense? Or like is this actually going to have an ROI uh, or return on investment? Like, does this actually make sense? Because um, I, I agree, it's easy. It's easy in the business to justify. And like, you do have to make investments, but not yeah. every investment is worth your money. Absolutely, yes. So, okay, so profit first, then flips that equation. Yeah, right. We're no longer profits, no longer the leftover. Now, expenses are the thing that is more boundaried, metered. Yes, I don't know how to, how to describe that. Boundaried is a, is a good is a good way to put it. So. There are four core principles within Profit First. And I think if, if I go over those, that then the, the leftover piece will make a little bit more sense. But mm-hmm. core principle number one is you use a small plate. Mm. Yes. And so I will be the first to say I'm not a nutrition expert. I'm a financial expert. But there are a lot of similarities in the way that humans make decisions about money and about food, right? Because it's not about like the big sweeping decision of, you know, I'm going to spend less than I make, right? That's easy to say. But the proof is in the pudding of all the hundreds of micro decisions that you make every single day, mm. right? So that's ultimately how people make decisions about money. And so I know for me, I was born in the generation of finish your plate. So whether I eat from a large plate or a small plate, I'm most likely going to finish my plate unless I spend a whole lot of mental energy thinking about it, right? Deciding like, am I finishing the vegetable or the, or the protein or what am I leaving? How much? Should I have one more bite? Like that takes a lot of mental energy for me. And so- I just know when I eat from a smaller plate, I'm naturally going to eat less, right? And so within Profit First, those smaller plates are bank accounts. We use multiple bank accounts to create smaller plates for ourselves. Yeah. So those bank accounts are going to be, for example, an income account where all the money comes into the business, coming into the business goes into that income account. Then we have a profit account, as you can imagine, right? That where there's money earmarked for profit. Then we have an account for operating expenses. That's all the things like liability insurance, dues and subscriptions, software. Then we have an account earmarked for owner's pay. That's how much the owner pays themselves, right? That's super important. Then we have an account earmarked for um, tax as well, where the business is able to pay taxes on your behalf. And then last but not least, an account for 
payroll as well. So I'm a firm believer if you have a team that you should have a separate payroll account. So whether that's contractors or employees, admin, clinical, whatever, a payroll account can be really helpful. So by separating that money onto those smaller plates, that really helps us see like how much is actually available for you to spend. So you're not accidentally spending next quarter's tax payment or, you know, spending the money that's actually earmarked for payroll next week, right? Like, so you know what actually is available to you. Yes. Yeah. And the word for me for Profit First always with those separate accounts is clarifying. Yes. It's just so clarifying. And even if you don't like what you see at first, it's just very clear what money is actually for what. And even if you want to steal from yourself or do it differently, you're, it's very clear that that is what you are doing when you do have your money actually separated like this. Absolutely. Like you can, because most humans will, will look at their bank app on their phone, right? Like, or, or log in on their computer, but like, that's how most people do things, including me, right? I'm an accountant and I don't look at the profit and loss, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flow before I decide if I can spend something, right? So you're taking a a natural human behavior and you're just leveraging that instead of trying to change it. Yes. So principle number two is you serve sequentially, right? So you have all of those bank accounts on a regular basis. You're going to move money from that income account to the other bank accounts. Um, And you're doing that in a way that is sequential. You, you, we, we tend to attribute importance to things that happen first. So the the profit allocation comes first, right? You're Mm. making transfers to those accounts without necessarily looking at your bills or what is due so that because your bank is going to tell your bank accounts are going to tell you something. They're going to give you information when you go to pay those bills. Principle number three is we remove temptation. And this one I feel like is really important they're all important, but this one, this one is, I can't tell you as, as an accountant, like how many times I've encountered a client who cannot pay their tax bill, right? Where they, we get to April and it's just not, it's just not doable. They, maybe someone that just started their business just came to us, like maybe in you know February or March, like the year's already over and we're doing their tax prep and they owe, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, sure. right? Depending on the size of a, of a business. Yeah. And it just always, I always have a pit in my stomach when I see someone who just is blindsided by them mm-hmm. because it just doesn't have to be that way. Right. Yeah. And, and so by moving that money over, by having an allocation, by having a separate bank account, it's really, really hard to accidentally spend that yes. money, right? It's there, it's allocated. I know some of our clients will call that bank account like Uncle Sam's money or you know something <laughs> just funny. But you you clearly know when you're looking at your bank, yeah, there's money in there. That is not yours. Yes. That is yes. already someone else's. So you cannot and should not spend it. And it's such an, an anchoring thought, but there's also so much relief when you get to that time of the year and you already have enough money to pay mm-hmm. everything. Like that yeah. is that's the the opposite end of that where we remove the temptation to accidentally spend that money accidentally or on purpose, but and it's there to take care of you. And I love that piece of of profit first as well. Yeah. 
And then last but not least, principle number four is you enforce a rhythm, right? So kind of like going back to nutrition, you do have to eat on a regular basis or you're going to be starving. You might not make the best food choices, or at least that, that that's how I operate. Sure. Yes. Um, and so on a regular basis, right, your money, your your business needs money to survive. It's like the, the nutrition for your business. And so on a regular basis, you have to feed it and give it money. And so on a regular basis, you're moving money from your income account to your other accounts. And for a lot of our clients, we recommend starting with a weekly transfer. Yeah. And that's not yes. part of the the core profit first uh principles, right? That that in the in the original book that was twice a month on the 10th and the 25th. And mm-hmm. I think that can work really well. But what I kept seeing over and over again in implementation is unless you have enough money to to really fund those accounts up front, yes, it's really hard to make it two full weeks without making a transfer. It's already hard to do one week sometimes yes. when you're starting from a tight cash flow. So I find that that, that weekly allocation is really helpful from a ease of implementation, right? Mm. Really, it's just a little easier to implement. I also think there's something really amazing about making transfers on a weekly basis, because if you do it, for example, every Friday, you get a really good sense of the ebb and flow of money in your business, totally. right? You know, oh, yeah. every Friday, I'm yeah. expecting to see this dollar amount. Yeah. If that's not there, you can start troubleshooting right away instead of if it's buried in, you know, your credit card payment and your rent and this and that, like it could take weeks longer for you to figure out that there's a problem. Whereas if you're making a transfer every week, you really get to see that. And then after a while, like once you really have a sense of the ebb and flow, then you can sometimes move to every other week or twice a month, right? Like that is a natural progression where you don't need to be looking quite as closely. But by by doing it weekly, I feel like it really gives practice owners a true sense of comfort with their, their money. And it's really not a time-consuming process. It, it usually takes 10 10 to 15 minutes is generous. Like, yeah, I think five for most people is minus five, five. At okay. this point, for sure. I would say minus five also. I say 15 just to give like a little yeah. bit of extra yeah, time let's, just let's, in you case. Know, give a buffer. But I would agree five, five yeah. most of the time. I'm right with you in the weekly. I also like Profit First is one of the options we give in Money Skills for Therapists in terms of budgeting systems. And I find most therapists do choose it because it is so powerful, but also simple at the same time. But I also recommend weekly and for additional reasons to what you're saying, what I also find is if folks have a very um, kind of unbalanced relationship with money where they either avoid it or they want to touch it all the time, a week is like a nice middle ground amount. Like it's it's close enough together that like if you did your, because, you know, I also suggest to folks like first allocations might go with general money time too, of just like looking at your numbers, getting in touch. If you do it every week, it's like recent enough that you remember what happened last week. If you're building new skills, they're they're available enough that you can like yeah. build your confidence, but it's not so long that you start to build up like avoidance or fear. Because what I do find is sometimes when folks are like, oh, I just do it like once a month, then that can build up into this big phobia. And it's like, you can't remember how to do it. It's like, wait, do I pull from this bank or do I get this information here? Like, I just find there's something about once a week that's a really nice rhythm to just keep you in touch with your money just enough on top of all those other great reasons that you just gave for weekly disbursements. And weekly is often enough that you shouldn't have to move money in between, right? With monthly, like if something comes up, you have a bigger than usual credit card bill or like something, you might have to go in and then off cycle and that that kind of has a trickle down effect too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Great. So principles, did we, let's summarize them. We covered all four. Yeah. So uh, use a small plate. Principle number one, serve sequentially is number two. Number three is remove temptation. Yes. And then number four, 
enforce a rhythm. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. So, you know, something that I see, Julie, with Profit First, and you probably see this with your clients too, is taxes can be a really confusing part of Profit First for multiple reasons. Yeah. So what are your your thoughts on taxes and Profit First for folks who are listening? Yeah. So that's probably where we get the most questions like in an open Q&A type of forum. So taxes within, you know, within the book Profit First for Therapists, we do have tax allocations for various stages of private practice. And I want to be super clear that taxes do change as the practice grows, Mm. right? So I I go over four stages or four sizes of private practice. And that's based on just the data that we've accumulated over the years. So we have different ratios for solo practices where it's just obviously the, just a single clinician, yeah. then a small group practice. And that's where there is perhaps a very small team, but the, the owner is typically doing 50% or more of the clinical work mm. in that small group practice, okay. right? That's okay. kind of the, so that's a the defining, threshold. that's a defining factor, piece yeah, here. Okay. Yeah. So usually maybe one full-timer, two or three part-timers, right? Something along those lines. Then we go to a medium group practice where that's that happens right around that switch, right? Mm. Of more than 50% of the work is being done by other people. The, ratio, the ratios shift at that point. Okay. And then for a large group practice, which usually happens around a million dollars or more, the, the main defining piece at that point is the addition of leadership. Mm-hmm. Usually by the time you get there, there's eight to 10 clinicians yes. eight, getting just too much for one single owner to yeah. manage. So there's addition of leadership roles. So those are kind of the, that's the, the 10,000 foot view of, of the size of private practice. And so as the practice grows, naturally the profit margin gets smaller, mm-hmm. right? And and sometimes I say that and people are like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why? Like, That's not what I want. <laughs> That's not like, yeah, like, I want it to get bigger. The dollar amount gets bigger, but the profit margin gets smaller because more and more people other than you, the owner are doing the work in the business, mm-hmm. right? So as a solo practice owner, for example, you're the only one doing the work. We can reasonably expect your owner's pay to be 30 to 60% of everything you bring in, right? That's reasonable. So yep. then there's tax, then there's profit, operating expenses. But as you get to, let's say a large group practice, over a million dollars in revenue, we usually assign between five and 10% to owner's pay. So much, much lower because there's probably 10 clinicians. You have to pay those 10 clinicians to do the work, right? And the piece of the, so it's just a bigger pie. It's a smaller piece of a bigger pie is, is how that happens. So for a solo practice, for example, we usually look for a tax allocation somewhere between Five and thirty-five percent. Mm. That's a really big range. A big range. That's a really, really big range because people have very different tax situations, right? There, we often see someone starting a solo practice as a side gig, where they also ha- already have, for example, a full-time job, and then they're starting as a as a side gig. So they may not be making a whole lot of money. Their profit margin may not be huge. So sometimes five percent can be can mm. be enough. Okay. There are other cases where you do need a full thirty five percent because you're the only breadwinner in the household. Mm-hmm. You have to account for federal tax, state tax, self employment tax mm-hmm. in the U.S. Right, all three yeah. of those. So that's kind of why we see that that range. There are some fringe cases where you might even need more if you're in a high income household, for example, yeah, where yeah. you know you have a spouse re- already bringing up the household into a high tax bracket. That could create a need for more. So, so the the ratios I'm talking about are kind of what most people will fall under. Then as you move to a small group, that might move to five to 25%, right? So already that got lower because the 
you're again, you're paying clinicians, right? You're doing 50% of the work, but like there's clinicians to pay. And then as we move to a medium and a large group, usually we see allocation tax allocations between five and 15% for both of those. That typically is going to be enough. And again, because you're getting just a smaller piece of that bigger pie, right? In a large group practice, usually at least 50% of the money that comes in is going right back out to clinician wages and sometimes even more, Yes. right? So like once we allocate for all of those items, there's just a lot less left at the end. Because in this case, like when you're talking about taxes here, um, you're talking about just the owner's taxes. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. So we're talking, we're not talking about like employee payroll taxes, right? So when I talk about employee the payroll allocation in that for me, I include wages, payroll tax and benefits in that okay, number, yes, yes. right? So wages, payroll tax and benefits. So when we talk about tax in the US, again, like most private practices are passed through entities. And so that means that the, the business itself does not pay tax at the federal level. Rather, the profit flows through to the personal tax return yeah. where it is then taxed, right? Yes. So, so technically the business does not pay tax, but it's, it pays tax on behalf of the owner. And so then there's always federal tax, depending on the situation and the, the tax entity, self-employment tax as well. And then depending on the state, again, state tax, right? So just like you in Canada have provincial tax. I I think all provinces have tax, right? Yes, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So most states in the United States have have a state tax as well, but some some do not. And so that, you know, in that case, there's there's no tax. It's a wide range. It's a very wide range, <laughs> yes. And something with with taxes and profit first, and this is a mistake that I see folks make, and I wonder if you see people making this is like with profit first, you're getting your tax percentage based on all the money coming in the door. Yes. Right. Not just what you're getting paid. In terms of what you said in your like your allocation percentages, could you speak to that a little more? Because I think folks can get really confused of like what number are they getting? Are they applying their tax number to, or where does their tax number come from? Yeah, you're, th- that's a really good point. So when you implement profit first, all the money coming into the business goes into that income account, mm-hmm. right? So that is ultimately your your gross income or close to it. All right, gross income is is that income before you you take out expenses. Yeah. So then on your profit and loss or your um, tax return, your net income, your profit, mm. that is ultimately what gets taxed, right? So yes. you, you're, you're going to pay a percentage of that. So when we do a profit first allocation, we look at all the dollars coming in and then we're going to allocate some to each category, each bank mm-hmm. account basically, mm-hmm. right? So of all the dollars coming in for a solo practice, five to 35% of that is going to get allocated to tax. Some of that is going to get allocated to owner's pay. Some of it is going to be allocated to operating expenses. And so just because you're you're saving, for example, 20% of your gross income for taxes doesn't mean that your tax bracket is 20%, right? It's Mm -hmm. probably higher than that. Mm -hmm. But you have deductions that are legally allowed. You're you're not taxed on your gross income, you're taxed on your profit. And so that's where it gets a little bit that's where it gets a little bit confusing. So we're saving based on the gross income. And that's why that number might be lower than your actual tax bracket. And that like when I first read Profit First years ago, that was the equation that for some reason took so long to get into my head. Like whenever time I went to do it, I was like, wait, what is that equation again? Like to turn your your tax rate, like your effective tax rate. Like let's say I talked to my accountant and they're like, okay, well, you know, because of what you make, you should be saving 28% for taxes. You don't put 28% though into your profit first 
calculator or allocations, right? It's a lower number. And I know for me, that equation, which now I have in the course as a lesson, took a long time to like click into place. But this is where I see folks like sometimes on on therapist Facebook groups and stuff, Julie, like this is a mistake that I see them making sometimes where they're like, well, my tax rate is 30%. So I save 30% of everything coming in the door. Can you just clarify and speak to like why that is? Yeah. What, what doesn't work about that? If I mean, if that's the case, then great, right? You're you're probably saving too much, and I think that's a better problem than the opposite of saving not enough. True story. Yes. But like, okay, let's just use round numbers. So if a hundred thousand dollars is coming in and you're saving thirty percent, that means you'll have thirty thousand dollars saved for taxes, right? Yes. But let's say you have twenty five thousand in operating expenses, which is very doable, right? Very reasonable to expect. Mm-hmm. So that means your actual your taxable income is not a hundred thousand; it's hundred. Minus your twenty five thousand dollars of expenses, seventy five thousand. Yeah. So now you've saved almost fifty percent of your actual taxable income. So good problem to have, but that's why I can feel like this is really hard. Yes, yeah, it's hard because it's so it's it's more than you actually need. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's hard because you're oversaving. You're oversaving. Yeah. When someone asks about tax, that is not a client that where we're working directly in in their books. Yeah. We'd say number one, like. Obviously, your accountant is always going to have the yes. most accurate yes. answer, right? Because they can look at your whole tax situation. They can look at your tax return, your credits. Do you have rental income, right? Like all the all the pieces that come through and take that into account. So that's number one. But if you're not able to do that, in the US, we have a form called the 1040 ES. That's for estimate. So you can use that form to estimate your quarterly estimated tax. Mm. It's a seven-page form. Most cool. people look at it and like, uh, no. <laughs> or no. No. Yeah. No, I might not be doing that. So I mean, that is kind of your next best option. Yeah. Yes. And after that, if you're not willing to quite go go down that road, um, you can also take your pull out your tax return to the 1040, look at the first two pages, look at the total tax that's usually on the second page, and divide that by your uh, gross income, right? Yeah. Adjusted AGI adjusted gross income. And that's going to say like, okay, this is your ultimately your tax rate. Mm-hmm. You can also, so that's going to give you a piece of information, right? That if you save that of your gross income, that's going to be too much like we just talked about, but it still gives you a data point. Yeah. Or you can also look at your total tax. And if you're making a very similar amount this year, like you can, that can be the number that you plug in to your profit first instant assessment, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the dollar amount that you need ultimately to pay in taxes. And so you can look at that, then your total tax as a percentage of all the income that you bring in and calculate it that way. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So some helpful tips there. If folks, if you're feeling unsure about your tax bracket, Julie just gave us some good information there. A seven page form. If you like forms, that form is out there for you. Which form is that again, Julie? If this it's is for Americans. 1040 ES. 1040 ES. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Or you can look at your tax return, calculate those numbers, look at how much you paid in tax, divide that by your uh, annual gross income, AGI? Adjusted gross in- income. Adjusted gross yeah. income. There Adjusted you go. Gross income. There you go. Um, or talk to your accountant. Yeah. Because <laughs> accountants, you know, they live this. And especially, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, like in Canada, you don't file based on your spouse's income. Like you pay taxes separately. So that's not in the picture. But in the US, if you are married and if you're filing jointly, like your spouse's income is also in the picture. Yeah. And your accountant would be able to like actually look at all of that context and give you probably the most accurate number, I would guess. Yeah. They'll they'll get you pretty, pretty darn close usually. And pretty darn close is all you need to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be done is better than perfect in this case, right? When yes. you're paying or, or or saving for taxes, I'd rather you have a little bit of money left over in your tax account, if possible, than nothing, but like close is better than than nothing. Yeah, yeah. So 
when would you say is the best time to start using Profit First? Like if folks are listening, people listening are going to be at different stages of business. Some of them maybe haven't even started yet, but they're thinking about starting or some have started, but maybe they're making like a few hundred bucks, you know, a week with their first few clients, whereas other folks are more established. Like what do you think is the right time to actually roll out Profit First in your business? So I would say... May 2nd is a good time because the book will be available. <laughs> you'll get you'll get all the exactly you'll on get May 2nd, 2023. Exactly on May 2nd. That's okay. the moment. So I, I I joke about that. But there's a Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Right. Yes. So I, I think just starting where you are today is always a, a good idea. I get asked all the time, like, can I start profit first as I start my business? And mm-hmm. the answer is absolutely yes. Right after your initial investment. You should, you can, you can start profit first. So mm-hmm. let's say you're, you're starting your practice and saying, like, I have a $2,500 budget, right? Like I'm contributing personal funds to start this practice that you would not do profit first with because that's not income. You would just put all of that in your operating expenses account. But then as dollars, as the first dollar starts coming into the practice, you absolutely mm-hmm. can start allocating, um, mm-hmm. to all of those. And then. As an established business, in most cases, you can you can start at at any point. It doesn't have to be the end of the year or the end of the quarter. Like, mm. there's it's always a good time to take control of your money. In my opinion, there's actually a handful of times that I think you should not start profit first, and I think I may be a little controversial there. But I think if you are not ready to actually spend some time looking at your money, you should not start it yeah. because having five accounts is not going to help. Five <laughs> or six help. accounts. <laughs> If money is so tight in your business that you're regularly bouncing payments, yeah, I I personally think this is not the time to start splitting your money into five yeah. accounts. It's just going to make that harder. I still think there's a lot to be benefited from the book because we do talk about paying down debt, for example, mm-hmm. and like getting your expenses under control. But I think that needs to happen before you actually start implementing, mm-hmm. right? Before you start moving one percent to profit, yeah, you need to get that under control where you're not bouncing payments. Right. Um, so something structurally needs to change there. Yeah. Okay. And so, and for folks who do feel ready to tackle and they're like, yeah, no, I do want to actually try to apply this, but things have been really tight in their practice or, you know, they, they're maybe their numbers, they're going to find that they're out of balance, that they're like paying themselves too much or not saving enough for taxes. Like what about those cases where you go to look at prof first and you're like, oh no, these numbers that I'm supposed to be is like not even close to where I am. What do you suggest to folks in those situations? Yeah, well, so I think one of the the beauty of Profit First is that it actually encourages you to start where you are today, mm-hmm. right? So when you do the instant assessment uh, and anyone who's uh, either pre-ordering the book or ordering it uh, will have access to that on, you know, on our website, the instant assessment, you actually start your first quarter, you start implementing Profit First at your current allocations, exactly where you are today. Hmm. Because just the act of moving your money from one bank account to five or six bank accounts, like right. that's enough change. And that is going to just allow you to see the ebb and flow of the mm. money and start making changes, right? So you say, oh, well, yeah. maybe I don't need this anymore. Let's cut that piece mm. out. That actually is encouraged to not make huge amounts of change right away. Because if you try to go from 0% profit to 10% profit overnight, like you basically need to change everything in your business. That's really, really hard. Yeah. 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 And so even if you're not where you want to be, that's okay because Profit First will give you the kind of the map to get there. And I like that. And I think, you know, that spirit is in the original Profit First book. And I love that you carry that. And I'm sure that's that's in your book as well. Because I think that something that therapists experience often is, you know, it's like, 
you'll talk to a, a financial person or to listen to a finance podcast. And they're like, just do it this way. This is the right way. So you just need to do this. Like I, I saw a financial advisor once and she was just like, you just need to spend a lot less money. And I'm like, okay. How? Like how <laughs> can you uh, figure out how to make this work better? But it's like, there's no, how do I say this? Like, it's such a hard way to approach money. And like often what people end up doing is just like throw their hands up in the air and be like, okay, well, apparently I just suck at this and I can't do it. Whereas like that softness of being like, okay, start where you are now and then start to slowly move towards where you want to be is so much more human and so much more compassionate and also just is much more likely to actually give you success, right? Because as you say, like in your business, if you find your numbers aren't where they want them to be, you're going to need to change a lot of things and you can't change those things overnight. But if you let it be a gradual process of moving your numbers towards where you want them to be, you know, then you're moving at a pace of actually being able to like make changes that make sense, integrate those changes, feel out what's right. And then, you know, you'll still get there, but you're maybe moving things like, what do you suggest? Like 1% at a time, 2% at a time each month? Yeah. What's the pace that you find works for people? So I recommend either a four quarter or eight quarter rollout. Mm, So depending on how far you have to go. Once in a blue moon, we have a client who just really wants to kick it into high gear and they, instead of four quarters, they do four months and they just, but still you, you have a clear sense of like, this is, this is what I, the change I need to make this month. Mm -hmm. So usually based on that, it's plus 1% minus 1%, right? Cause they all, your, your allocations ultimately have to equal a hundred percent Yes, because, because math, you know, so you're, you're making small one, one and a half percent change Mm -hmm. each quarter ultimately. Cause that gives you, it's kind of a, a, you know, a little stepping stool where you get to like, okay, this is our new place. Like, so now we have to tighten the belt a little bit more. Where does that come from? Right. Right? I want to pay myself more. So it something has to come right. down here. Right. So it's like operating expenses go down 1%, your you know, paycheck goes up 1%. Yeah. And like there's that that dance that happens. Yeah. And and really profit is is not an event, right? Mm. It's a habit. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that happens on paper at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. so this is a little bit like again, going back to nutrition, it's like if you're trying to change everything all at once, it's like a crash diet. Yes. You're just trying to, you're so far off from where you are in a way that's sustainable long term mm-hmm. that it doesn't often doesn't last. Yes. Right. But if you're just making those small incremental changes, like walking 20 minutes or eating a little bit less, right? Like those are the changes that long term can be sustained. So that is the goal with profit first. That like you're not trying to change everything all at once. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's not doable in many businesses. So you're just making small incremental changes and they become habits. Yeah. I love that. That's a very, a very human, very human way uh, I'm approaching these numbers. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about this book. I'm so excited that you wrote this book, that you have your fourth child coming out in the world. <laughs> so if folks are uh, wanting to pre-order the book and just wanting to be able to follow along and be more in your world, uh, tell tell them where to find you. Absolutely. Uh, well, and we do have a special uh, giveaway for your listeners. Nice. If they go to profitfirstfortherapist.com slash Lindsay, they will be able to find our uh, calculator to reverse engineer your practice to your life. So this is a, we, we, we haven't really, we didn't talk about this today, but when you want your practice to give you a certain dollar amount, like how 
How do you get there? So you can get that calculator there. You can also uh, pre-order the book depending on when you're you're listening, uh, get access to the tools as well. And if you're listening after uh, May 2nd, you can just uh, order it and you'll get it uh, within a couple of days. Wonderful. And as a fan of uh, tools and calculators, I'm very excited to see that tool. <laughs> Um, yes. So thank you. So, and uh, so it's profitversetherapist.com slash Lindsay and Lindsay for folks listening is L-I-N-Z-Y. Yes. Because uh, my name often fries people's brains like just a little bit. Julie, thank you. Thank you. And thank congratulations. You. Thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so happy to have had you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I so appreciate uh, Julie coming on the podcast today. And it was really nice too, to get like that refresher in Profit First and the principles that make it work. You know, like there's just so much human nature that I think a system like Profit First, and you don't have to follow it to the T by any means, but there's so much human nature that having a system like that addresses. I'm a big fan of this idea of build systems that are smarter than you are. And that's not to say that we're dum-dums because we are definitely not. But as humans, we have natural vulnerabilities. And then as people, we have our own additional uh, vulnerabilities or behaviors that we need to set up systems that are going to stop us from doing the things that ultimately hurt us. So for instance, if you're someone who tends to steal from yourself, you tend to look at money and be like, ah, it's probably fine. I'm just going to take this and buy this shiny thing or sign up for this course when I'm already in five other courses and have no bandwidth, but this is exciting looking. You know, if you have that tendency to overspend, then the principle of profit first, where it's like you have those smaller plates, you can actually see what money there is to use for operating expenses when you're going to make those kinds of decisions, tends to make us just more thoughtful in how we spend. Um, and I like that plate analogy, but I also like the analogy that's in the original profit first book of a tube of toothpaste. Like when we first get a tube of toothpaste, we're like, we go nuts with toothpaste. <laughs> And you can put like an inch of toothpaste on your brush because you have so much toothpaste and we tend to be very liberal. But when you get to the bottom of that tube of toothpaste, you're like squeezing super hard to get out just like the smallest little, you know, pea-sized drop of toothpaste and like that's enough. And you make it work and you still brush your teeth and everything still works, but you're using much less. And that is natural human nature. So when we create those natural boundaries around our money, we tend to use it better, use it smarter because we're giving ourselves boundaries. <laughs> People do well with boundaries. So loved going over that with Julie today. So excited about her book. Um, if you do want to pre-buy her book or buy her book, depending on when you're listening, and also get that great freebie, that reverse engineering tool for our listeners, it's profitfirstfortherapist.com slash Lindsay. And Lindsay is L-I-N-Z-Y. You can follow me on Instagram at money nuts and bolts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. It is the best way for people to find the podcast and be part of these conversations. Thanks for listening today.